I brought you a special present. What is it? Open it up. A book? That's right. When I was your age, television was called books. And this is a special book. It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today, I'm going to read it to you. Is it got any sports in it? Are you kidding? Fencing, fighting, torture, revenge, giants, monsters, chases, escapes, true love, miracles. Doesn't sound too bad. I'll try and stay awake. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's very nice of you. Your voter confidence is overwhelming. The weekly pseudo-academic pop culture analysis roundtable with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav. And I am once again here with my co-hosts, Wayne and Hannah. How's it going, guys? Yo, I, I still think we should ask a different question. Maybe we should ask, <laughs> what Marble League team are you supporting? <laughs> but we answered oh, that. We answered that every week. Oh, Rangers. <laughs> oh, oh, no. God, no. No. The greatest. So that was our guest, um, Andrew from the Protagonist Podcast, who will now be kicked off the show because, oh my God, no. Because they hate greatness. Uh, we hate teams like the Patriots, which the is Patriots. basically what the Old Rangers are. Don't worry. Oh, they're so. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I'm way more invested in Marble League than I've ever been invested in any sports. So all of that type of analysis is lost on me. Uh, so let's let's just say that I actually this before is. Before I knew they were going to be great. Oh, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, let's just say that this is not the Marble, our Marble League show, despite appearances. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I'm all dejected. <laughs> ruined my entire flow of the end. Oh, oh, range. You're not, you're not an Oceanics fan, are you? I'm an Oceanics fan. <laughs> oh. Gotta have that Pisces vibe. It hurts. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, Again, I, I have been a big fan of Team Galactic since I was four years old and used to want to grow up to be on, in Marble League myself. Um, yes. <laughs> that's um, my story and I'm sticking to yes, it. Yes. Uh, and how old are you, Matt? Oh, I'm, it's my, well, in the future slash past because of podcast time travel, it was my birthday yesterday. So I am slash will be 46. <laughs> and Marble League has famously been on YouTube for 46 years. Oh, and now I have the longest running program in broadcast history. <laughs> Oh, and that's the voice of our other guest. Such <laughs> uh, so Josh. It's chaos. Hey, Josh, welcome Hello, back, everyone. Josh, hey, Josh, what team are what team are you supporting? Balls of chaos. See, that's reasonable. That's a reasonable answer. <laughs> they're not Team Galactic, but at least they're not the O Rangers. Ew. Oh. You know, supporting the Oceanics <laughs> is kind of like supporting the Bulls or actually Mississippi State because some years they do okay and some years. I just love the game. Just love the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So All right, what are no, we doing we, instead of we, this? We, we talked about Marble League a bunch last week, so less Marble League this week, even though, again, you should be watching Marble League. <laughs> We're just going to keep. They are not a sponsor. They can if they want to, 
We just enjoy it. <laughs> uh, also, if the last uh, last week tonight with John Oliver wants to sponsor us in addition to Marble League, that'd be fine I, too. I would also love that. So big fan of that that as well. But anyway, we had a string of very serious, very heavy heavy topics for a while with you know COVID and George Floyd's murder, Breonna Taylor, and it's just like we had a whole bunch of bad things happen. And we've been trying to do a couple of fun, silly shows for uh, for the last couple of weeks. And this week, you know, we wanted to do there's something we'd been wanting to do, which was you know really fun. As as regular listeners know, our our box office game that we that we play every year that we shamelessly stole from the protagonist podcast, which Andrew is on. They the protagonist, you guys at your show, you play lots of games, right, Andrew? Yeah, we try to to change it up. I mean, initially we had probably thought of doing it on some sort of semi regular schedule. It's like, oh well, every month where there's a fifth week of our drop date, and then that was too much structure to try and require of ourselves <laughs> um, so we have like traditional uh christmas game we usually do something for halloween uh, and then a few other games throughout the year mm-hmm. and you guys do you guys do a game that i i enjoy listening to whenever you guys play it which is you have the you have the random story game and then we were going to shamelessly copy it and then i thought wait a minute i want to play so why don't i just invite andrew over to run it and then mm-hmm. Uh, then this episode becomes no work for us whatsoever and we get to play the game. <laughs> so. I mean, we still have to have brain thoughts. Well, yeah. Well, yes. I mean, you could have like heart thoughts too. It's it's storytelling. <laughs> it's not all brain. So this is a game and, you know, much like our, you know, Andrew was last on when we did our Victorian parlor game. So this is a game that I think you at home can play. Uh, you can get your friends together and play over Zoom um, during pandemics or just like get the family together and, and do in the privacy of your own home. And so I thought that'd be fun for people to do, to, to listen to. And also, uh, we are auspiciously English teachers on this show, but we tend to focus our shows more on the cultural studies side than the writing side. So I thought it would be interesting to do something that, you know, this is an exercise that you might do if you were teaching a writing class. So how does it work? So essentially, and there's a, a lot of different variations you can do on this game, but you have elements placed in just on cards in a hat. These are some sort of elements of stories. And so in this case, for you guys today, I've prepared a hat full of genre, a hat full of creative voice that you would be trying to mimic, a hat full of additional theme or setting elements, and then a wild card hat that you would have to potentially add in. Sometimes there's going to be elements like, okay, these don't really jive. But the more you play with them, the more fun it can actually be. Because on protagonist, um, I mean, sometimes it's three hats. We've done four hats. We've done like director, starring actor and genre. And so you've got things that you can play around with, whether you want to focus it in movie or novel or or different types of media. You could do you could do comic books if you want um, all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. But the idea is to, OK, take these different elements and then just try to synthesize in your head. OK, what would a Western feel like from this creator? What would sci fi feel like from this creator? What if I have to have this actor? What suits them You know, in these modes? And so it's just synthesizing all of this information and trying to produce something. And again, the the more fun comes when you really do like try, because one of our weird ones that ended up being really satisfying was silent film. But Ken Burns was mm. the creative voice. <laughs> nice. It's like that doesn't super 
gel automatically because Ken Burns is like voiceover documentary stuff. Like you zoom across uh, a photo of civil war people while somebody narrates a letter. Someone talks. Yeah. And how do you do that? How do you do that in a, uh, in a silent film? And so we were playing with like, what is the idea of Ken Burns documentary when you have a silent film? It's like, okay, well, you're not going to have a letter. So it's all, or somebody speaking. So you have to do it all with like the cards. (laughs) Mm. I, have, the text I, have friends who are, I have friends who are real involved with, with improv and, and used to go to a, a week show of theirs and they, it would be all audience participation and they would play a game very similar to this where the audience would just shout out genre. I mean, they would ask for genre and then they would ask for who are these two characters and then they would ask for director or playwright and the people there had to try to put something together based on those suggestions. Yeah. So it's a lot like that. Yeah. Well, this sounds, I mean, it, I, I think it sounds fun. And again, I've listened to, you know, you guys do this a half a dozen times at least. So I'm excited about it. Um, when you say creative voice, so you're giving us people, these might be writers, they might be directors. Like, we don't know. You're not saying these are all novelists. They might be, right. it, it could be a Ken Burns. It could also be a Will Shakespeare. Yes. I tried to, to give some variety in, in their media as well as, um, era, gender, race, a little bit of variety there. Okay. And so what are the categories one more time? So we have genre, creative voice, uh, a theme or a setting, and then a wild, card. wild card. Perfect. All right. What do you guys think? You guys, are we excited to play this? Uh, let's, let's see what happens. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> All right. I, I'm pulling out the first set from mm-hmm. each of the four hats. I genuinely do have four hats. I don't know why, but I always want to actually have hats for this. <laughs> so uh, for genre, you've got high fantasy. Uh, okay. Creative voice is Shonda Rhimes. Oh, no. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> So, so far, it sounds kind of like a George R. R. Martin novel. <laughs> um, okay, this might be a little bit less. Your your theme or setting is high school. <laughs> and it's supposed to be reworking Shakespeare. Okay. <laughs> That's your wild card, wild is reworking card. Shakespeare. So we, so we should pick a plot from Shakespeare to rework under the categories of high fantasy with Shonda Rhimes in high school. In high school. Yes. So, so basically, it's like Riverdale in a high fantasy world. But doing Taming of the Shrew, which is... Oh, no, no, no. We can't do Taming of the Shrew. That's too much like 10 things I can't do. Yeah, that's 10 things we can't do that. And we can't do Romeo and Juliet because it's been... Romeo and Juliet's been taken. Just just tying into fantasy, Midsummer Night's Dream or The Tempest seem to be obvious. Oh, okay. Those those work. Um. (laughs) I I, I know Midsummer Night's Dream better. Tempest probably (laughs) is the better choice. Well, Tempest is, I mean, I don't know, which which do you do? Because Tempest gives you, like, you, you can very easily put a bunch of high school students on a boat. Not for any good reason, but it's one of those ritzy CW high schools where, you know, where everybody's rich. And so they take a class trip so, that is just a cruise. No, like legit, you guys, I saw a job posting for a, like, like semester at C, like college professor oh, yeah. thing this year. Like, I'll do that. This year you'll do it? No, no. Because <laughs> yeah, I want to be caught Josh. on a boat during pandemic. I mean, what, what are they paying? <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> also, they they wanted like your specialty to literally be like on like literature of the sea. But is there an open? But is there an wow. open bar? <laughs> I was right. a barman. <laughs> Uh, I think I'm taking us a little off track. Um, do we actually want to do the Tempest? Uh, because I think Midnight Summer's Dream could be easier in the ter- in a couple of ways. Because like you well, have okay, like the romantic okay. entanglements, right? Because we we have uh, we have the 
the, the fairies who are the high fantasy, those are the elves and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Then we have the the human players, you bottom and those guys as the the jock, you know, other school who are, you know, the the humans or whatever. Oh, that's interesting. I thought they would just be the theater kids. Oh, okay. That makes sense too. Yeah. Well, because there's, well, there are actual fairies in Tippest too, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. No, Puck's Midsummer Night's Day, Caliban's Tippest. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, sorry. I was so yeah, focused on Midsummer Night's Day. It's Caliban's Yeah. 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 Um, so, like, there are a lot of interesting, like, readings of Caliban that I don't know how to integrate mm. here. That's just what I'm thinking about. Um, yeah. so I, I guess it's like, what would we do with Prospero? Because he's just like, dude, grumpy, hanging out on his island, causing Tempest. Then he then he's like, I'm breaking my staff. So he's like the principal who's like finally had it with this. Like, yeah, he, he's the grumpy teacher slash uh, evil wizard. <laughs> uh, that's if it's Tempest, okay? Yeah. And yeah. If it's and if it's Midsummer Night's Dream, I don't know which one. Do you have an opinion, Josh? Mm, I'm trying to think. Well, so you guys haven't played a ton with Shonda Rhimes element. Well, yet. yeah, yeah. I was yeah. Well, like that, that's why I was thinking Midsummer Night's Dream because Shonda Rhimes is known for. Couple things. Murdering people uh, when everybody cheats. Uh yeah. Also like <laughs> ridiculous like plot developments, which I think is just totally Shakespeare. Um, and then like r- random deaths. Um, also just like uh in in that Midsummer Night's Dream, like Titania has like sort of delusions and a donkey like bottom turns into a donkey. Like, I mean, have we not all seen Grey's Anatomy when Izzy is hallucinating Denny's ghost and she's having ghost sex, but really she has a tumor? Like, uh, have you, have you guys not? Yeah, that's, that's the only season Grey's Anatomy I watched. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, they, they, they killed off Izzy and George and I was done. Well, the Shonda season I've seen the most of is How to Get Away with Murder uh, series. I've seen the most of because Steph's that's Steph's favorite of them. So that's the one that I watched all of with her. But I've seen here and there episodes of of Grey's and of Scandal. Of course, like the extremely positive thing that Shonda Rhimes should be known for is that Grey's Anatomy was like amongst a cluster of shows that on ABC like began like a serious like, you know, look at like casting diverse casts and she mm-hmm. is a very, very successful black woman mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So I think that, like, if Shonda Rhimes were to cast either of these, she would definitely not just cast a bunch of white people, mm-hmm. like a lot of Shakespeare things tend to do. Yeah, it would, it would definitely be it would definitely be a super diverse cl- cast. Um, but since it's high school, it's got to be a super diverse cast of teenagers, essentially. Or 35-year-old people who look like teenagers. Who look like, right. (laughs) I mean, theoretically, theoretically, I am throwing this out there, you could skew it and say that it is all high school teachers. Oh, yes, that's true. Also, can we... Which seems like maybe a Shonda thing to do. Yeah, and also, let's put up a rule about whatever we do, saying that there is no awful teenage drama slash school plot line (laughs) where students and their like teachers or like the administrators are having affairs because it's gross and should stop being a trope. Well, it depends on, I don't know. I don't know what Andrew's secret themes are. The next, if the next game we play is (laughs) secret affair between teacher and student, I think we're screwed. But uh, but, (laughs) do not make the list. But but, yeah, but, but I think that, I think that in, I, I think that for, if we're doing the Shonda Rhimes thing, I, I, I think that this is a kind, this is the kind of show where, where you get 
you know, 30 year old actors who look like they're 20 and we say they're 15. Like, I think that's you know, <laughs> like, I, I, I think it's I think it's the classic, you know, um, welcome back, Cotter, all the way to Riverdale, 90210 in the middle. You know, like th- that. that's just how you make a teenage show. You know, I mean, yeah. like, you could also cast actual kids like on Stranger Things, but that's bizarre. You know, if we're going to have if we're going <laughs> to so unbelievable. Have, well, especially if you're going to do if you're going to do a Shonda Rhimes show based on especially based on Midsummer Night's Dream, you know, and a little bit Tempest too. There's a Shonda Rhimes plus William Shakespeare for either of those plays. There's going to be a fair amount of raciness. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be sexual to a point where I feel more comfortable casting, you know, KJ Appa from Riverdale in this than I have casting, than I feel casting, um, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things, who's actually of that age. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm like, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that's kind of where I'm, where I'm at here. It's just like, I'd rather, I'd rather do the, so, so I think we, I think we make it about the teenagers because, you know, if we make it about teachers just having, what? I mean, if you, if you, if you did Midsummer Night's Dream and focused on the teachers, then are, they, just, are the students all the fairies then? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, you have so, a clear so, delineation has... between the worlds of student and teacher. You make that just del- delineation that. human to the fairy. other way. It could be the other way. If we we could fo- we could focus on we could focus on the students who have the more grounded reality, and then the you know the fairies are the manipulative teachers who just are otherworldly, and you know that could be it. So like they want they're bothering to get in their students love lives or do we want the students to manipulate the teachers based on their love lives? See, and, and yeah, I don't know which which of those is I, mean, I was going to say, which is the, which, which of those which, is which less creepy, worse. but it's sort of more intriguing if it is creepy for I mean, again, this is uh, we're trying to make it not creepy, but this is Midsummer Night's Dream. Also, yeah, it's, it's, Shonda, it's creepy. I mean, like Rhyme, all yeah. like Shonda Rhimes is like positive, like portrayals on TV. A lot of her like relationships um, in the shows are not soups great. Yeah. So creepy um, is kind of her thing in a way. Sexy creepy, but creepy. <laughs> I mean, I think that, and I think some of the shows do like recognize that some of these relationships are not healthy, especially um, how to get away with murder. I'd say uh, in the bits I've watched. Yeah, there are, the there I've are watched. no there are no healthy relationships on how to get away with murder ever. Every I mean, again, I enjoy the show. Every person is awful. There's no one to root for on the show. You know, even the main character, you're like, well, she's a good person deep down, deep, deep down. <laughs> she's kind of a bitch and she probably killed four people. But, you know, she's had good reasons. <laughs> you know, you know, like that's that's like the, that's like the best you can do with that show. I love it. But yeah, I, I don't want to hang out with you. I might die. A lot of people around you die. <laughs> you know, there's a, <laughs> So, okay, so, so like, and we're splitting the characters of Midsummer Night's Dream by like students in the human roles and teachers in the fairy roles, roughly. Then, like, mm-hmm. what supernatural elements are we adding to this to make it high fantasy? Like, what are some high fantasy genre things we should see? Josh, you know fantasy. Mm-hmm. Have got to have maybe a dragon. Get a dragon in there. Dragons are cool. A watchdog is a dragon. Yeah, elf horse as opposed to just little fairies. Mm-hmm. Um, are are we going for if we're going to do high fantasy and see are we doing something where it's where it's really a high school and we're just like alluding to high fantasy or are we going to go high fantasy and allude to high school you know what i mean mm-hmm. I, high school I, I, fantasy yeah i th- i think we're i think we're doing now we're getting in the harry potter territory yeah, right, right right are we in a harry potter world or are we in a game of thrones world because i think we're i think we're in a game of thrones world not 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 game of thrones but i mean i think we're in a in a world where 
where the norm is that there are dragons around and there are people in ridiculously yeah. lavish outfits. And like, I don't think it's weird. I don't think it's the magicians or Harry Potter. I think, I think we're in a world where, where the teachers are supernatural. The students are normies for now. Maybe they're aspiring to be supernatural, but like the, maybe, was, maybe well, it's, it's an age thing where like mm-hmm. when you turn 21, you inherit your family's gifts. I feel like I've seen that in yeah. a fantasy well, show. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the classic tropes of, of high fantasy is the normal kid with the grand destiny. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up as a, a poor potato farmer, but I am going to be after this quest with my fellowship of friends. I am going to become the world's greatest warrior or magician or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just loosely, you know, we, we sort of Disney Lion King, the plot around Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. I think that could work. I think, I think you guys have, have cracked into it. And so <laughs> one of the challenges to the game is saying, it's like, okay, when do we move on to the next? All right. I want to get, yeah. I want to get a few of them guys, out. So yeah. So, do you guys yeah. feel good about that one? Yeah. 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 Uh, so, okay. So, okay. Midsummer yeah. Night's Dream by Rhonda by Shonda Rhimes in you know in GOT world. Oh my god, guys! I just remembered Shonda Rhimes had a show. I don't remember like what her role on it was, where she did do Romeo and Juliet for ABC for like a season. Huh. <laughs> anyway, all right. Next. So I pulled the next four. There is a chance okay. that we're just going to scrap this one um, okay. because I may have accidentally pulled something that's a little too basic. Okay. Okay. Period romance. Creative no. voice. <laughs> well, wait, wait till you hear the creative voice. Creative voice, Jane Austen. Redraw, uh, redraw, no. redraw. <laughs> with, with a theme of family. Redraw. And a wild card of Hallmark Christmas movie. Redraw. Oh my gosh. Wow. Too, too basic. How, how, how would we write a period romance from Jane Austen? I don't know. Set, set at Christmas. <laughs> and have it focused about family. Uh, okay, so, you I'm just, just going to set that aside. That one's Sorry. impossible. It's impossible. Put it back. <laughs> <laughs> so let me draw some fresh ones. And uh, occasionally that's what happens. <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe something in here. And like, no, this is, I'm sure there's like five of these Hallmark Christmas movies that are just a Jane Austen adaptation. And yeah, it's about family. Yeah. All right. Sci-fi with James Cameron. No. No. <laughs> Musical. Oh, okay. That is somehow about Frankenstein. Ooh, it's like the the broad theme is 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 a Frankenstein theme. Okay, I I have four words: Rocky Horror Picture Show. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like this one just writes itself, really, because all you have to do is use James Cameron's motion capture stuff for Avatar, which I mean, it's probably not being used right now. Like, I think those movies are fake. Um, and, and then like, you know, just repurpose some of like the sets from like Terminator or something. And then just like write some music about like feeling alone in the world and discovering paradise lost and like killing people, but feeling bad, but it's actually like Frankenstein's fault. And then like icebergs and yeah, I was gonna say, it, has, you're done. it has to go underwater at some point. This is James Cameron. Well, new James Cameron, I think, because the old James Cameron, you had the guy who'd made like Terminator films in there. But like J- James Cameron, these last this, these last couple of decades, it's got to there's got to be boats. It's got to go underwater. You know, Frankenstein <laughs> yeah. opens on a boat. On a boat, that's true. It's, it's like and, literally and, like in and, the and, Arctic. And yeah, and, and yes, icebergs. So, so icebergs yeah. check. <laughs> Can you get enough check. explosions? <laughs> Uh, hmm. 
There's like or, fires or is that and too, crap. It would, it, too many explosion makes it Michael Bay. So yeah, yeah. just a little homage to the <laughs> you, you opening just need, of like, National grand Treasure, scale, I guess. What was that, Josh? A little homage to the opening of National Treasure, where they're on a, on a ship in the ice and there's a big explosion. You could you could mine that or something. Yeah. So, so science, science fiction, half human, android, cyborg type creature like, on a like, on, on, a, on a spaceship mining mm. an ice planet. There we are. Mm. Yeah, so he's like discovered on the ice planet. Yeah, yeah. That's where so like, where where Frankenstein or the monster, um, right, is tracking his his master down, his creator. Yeah. And you know he could sing a song called "Some Like It Hawk." It's <laughs> 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 not my joke, but I think it's good. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, 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 I think that that setting and premise we've got everything except how to fit in music when it the musical makes is sense. A, yeah the musical is the trick right like I, no you frozen, just have him sing frozen. it's frozen just have him sing his songs have him sing yeah, yeah sing about how he's misunderstood it's like Wicked or mm-hmm. like that Dracula musical in for Gain Sarah Marshall with the puppets oh oh I like that I, I, I was just I mean I was thinking like when you know when you said frozen I was thinking like you know could I could I see Frankenstein doing Let It Go. <laughs> yes, you could. And actually, yeah. well, Frankenstein's monster or Frankenstein, it works either way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so here's the question. If you do it, do you, is, are, are, are we taking this seriously or is it is it a comedy? You should play it absolutely seriously. And I could change the camera. Yeah, as I say, I, as a Pixar movie, you could take it completely seriously and, and work the songs in and still have a heartwarming, touching Exciting I'm also, story. I'm not convinced James Cameron has a sense of humor. So, that's the problem. James yeah. Cameron would play it totally seriously, and then we'd laugh at how bad it is, kind of like Avatar or like his other most famous movie, Heavy Metal Soundtrack. Yes, Titanic. Oh, yes. Well, what, what's his other most famous movie? I like Titanic. Yeah, <laughs> Titanic yeah. is the most boring movie I've ever watched, and it <laughs> I cheated LA Confidential out of an Oscar. I don't know why I'm so invested in this. But go back like three episodes. Yes, yeah, we know. <laughs> we're, we're not we're not doing the recap of, of LA Confidential. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I think I think he definitely takes it seriously though, and I, so I think you have these you you have these overridden very epic songs. You know, you call up Celine Dion. What's she doing? Sure, you know, yeah. like. Oh, I it, it just I, I'm going to throw in there was um, in the early 70s there was a movie called Phantom of the Paradise that was Phantom of the Opera set in a glam rock setting Ooh. and and it was it was this it was portrayed as this scary thing there was a monster you know the, the Phantom the the opera type monster and straight up soundtrack of of like pop rock glam rock and and really sweet ballads it, it's a terrible movie as <laughs> it, it's a really terrible movie. Uh, my my fandom of the whole glam thing means I needed to watch it, and I read about it in a ma- monster magazine when I was twelve. And the imagery is great, but it's a terrible movie. But uh, they took it so seriously, which is part of why it was a terrible movie. Um, but you know, so there's precedent for a classic monster thing with with music in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think you're right. James Cameron has no sense of humor. Right? It, it would it would be really pretentious heavy metal. Would it be so? Okay, so that's the question. Um, it's James Cameron, right? Like it, it makes sense for it to be really pretentious heavy metal. But like, I'm thinking since it's him, like think about the soundtracks to and the scores to anything from Titanic to Avatar, right? Like he doesn't, he has a style. I think it's, I think it's going to be more orchestral, even when you throw in the Celine Dion song, right? That's mm-hmm. not metal. That's a, that is a big, what, I mean, it's for lack of a better term, operatic song, right? I was mm-hmm. going to say operatic is maybe yeah. the style yeah, that he, he would go right. for. 
that makes more sense. Yeah, so I think that's where it's going, right? It's going to be this. This is going to be in space and space uh, so, opera. Yeah, it's, yeah, space yeah. opera. Yeah, but but like when and and they're going to sing. You know, <laughs> to go back to my great love of cop rock, they're going to be all in on this, right? Like they're they're just going it, to. It's going to be like I don't. I've been watching. And I should have mentioned this on last week's show. Last week we talked about things that you know you're doing to get yourself through quarantine, and I forgot to mention that I've watched I've watched Hamilton. At, you know, at least twice in this time, and I've and listened to the you know Muppet Hamilton a couple times, but like, <laughs> which is delightful, and everybody should watch it. But um, I I think that unlike Hamilton, which has kind of a even though everything's sung, there's kind of a wink and a nod to it, right? They're being silly. I don't think this is it. I think this is just like he thinks if if Cameron makes a movie, he's swinging for the Oscar, like no matter what mm-hmm. he's, and he's, go, he's going for it on every single time, on every single time. So I don't think there's, I think it's very self-serious. Josh, Josh, yes. it's Carmen. Maybe? Carmen the hip hop bra? No, Car- <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like going to take the plot of Carmen. Like think about Frankenstein and Carmen. Oh. I think it could work. Okay. Yeah. Well, jo- Josh is a fan of the opera and I've seen like three of them because of him. Have you the watched opera, Car- basically the opera, Carmen. Carmen, have you seen uh, have you seen Carmen a hip hop opera? Been a minute, but I saw it. Yeah, like on it's, TV yeah, it's good. Years ago. It's actually really good. So, all right. Hmm. I think this works. I think that you know what. And and the thing is, I never want to count James Cameron out. This is ridiculous. I, I, I know you do, but like this is ridiculous. But he's gonna if he does something like this, he's all in on it, and it's gonna be it, it's gonna be something. Say what you will about Avatar. It's something. <laughs> could, he, could he take inspiration from from Meatloaf in any way? Is that too is that too tongue in cheek? No, I, I can see that. Meatloaf's a serious actor now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's probably a little old for any of the roles in this. But, uh, little little bat out of hell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you could work in the hits, that'd be great. All right, next, next. Okay. <laughs> now I don't know what it is about you guys. But you are bringing, you're like the opposite of chaotic energy into this game. Because <laughs> the next pick I had is another one that is too much of the natural arrangement. But there is a fun wild card. So I think you guys should play with it for at least a few minutes. Okay. It's a rom com from Nora Efron. Okay. New York City is your setting. Okay. So, so far, it's just you've got mail. So far, it's just a Nora Efron movie, sure. Okay. Yes. But <laughs> the wild card is. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh God, yes, mm. absolutely. And that seems like a pretty great wild card to yeah. throw in for this franchise. One. Viagra, absolutely. I, I'm I'm, I'm going to throw Kevin Hart in there because their chemistry is amazing. <laughs> so how how do you do? You've got mail with the Rock. Okay, oh my God. I I have a sequel instead of got Tom mail. Hanks. Go for okay. it. All right, all right. So Kevin Hart, CEO of Amazon like company. You know exactly what I'm yes. going to say, aren't you? Dwayne The Rock Johnson runs a family-friendly chain bookstore like Barnes & Noble or Fox Books. But times are tough because Amazon is, is evil and taking over. So he goes online to complain about it to his good friend on Discord. And they meet <laughs> and they talk. And then it turns out that they are enemies just like Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks in the original. And they have to work out how will two corporations learn to coexist and how will their relationship learn to coexist, you know? Mm-hmm. So is it, is it, but is it, it's a, well, it has to be a rom-com, right? So it is a rom-com. They, so they I have just, to fall in love. Yes, like, or, absolutely. Their relationship and their business has to fall in love. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. the corp- 
leverage synergy with their relationship synergy mm-hmm. just works, you know? Do you want to stick with the with the books or is that too much you've got mail if, if it's still a bookstore? Also, how is The Rock in charge of a bookstore? Shouldn't he be in charge of something that would account for his physicality? Well, I no. mean, I personally was sticking with the books because I wanted to write a sequel to You've yeah. Got Mail. This yeah. is my joke. I, I, I love movies with The Rock where they where he is just they, they pretend he's normal yeah, yeah he's just a beast yeah. for no apparent reason yeah. i mean he'll still yeah. get he'll still get into you know you're, if you're casting the rock you're gonna have him you know literally run through a building like through a brick wall at some right. point you know flex his way out of a cast rip a rip a gun off the side of a helicopter and start shooting at people somehow you know like he's the rock he's gonna have stuff but like um did you ever see skyscraper he plays an architect yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's an he's an architect with no leg because they wanted to give him a, they wanted to give him a character flaw you know <laughs> but but like when Wait, you I'm, sorry, him, he's I'm like, sorry back up he has no leg yes. okay. he's, yes. he's like an amputee he's got one prosthetic leg yeah he's got a prosthetic yeah. leg but there's no there's no reason for it it's just that like hey wouldn't it be interesting if i was just missing a leg and it almost never comes up <laughs> like, it's like it, in the beginning you know he's a, he's a war vet he lost his he, he he lost his 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 you know lower leg in the war what war doesn't matter um but he, and then, then and then like he's got to rescue you know uh, then he becomes an architect and then from then on it's just die hard you know like he's got to rescue his wife from the building you know he's he's doing a die hard and you're just supposed to pretend that you know the rock is a normal everyday guy you know but it's the rock and he does rock stuff <laughs> so I yeah mean, i think i think you could do that if you if you wanted to make it a little more actiony we could have him run like a chain comic book store and there could be cut scenes where he does ridiculous action things as he imagines himself as the superheroes he does the he does the cosplay thing he, yeah. he, he sets up conventions in superhero costumes. They know each other from cosplaying at the conventions. Yes, it's not. It's not. It's not Amazon. Kevin Hart runs essentially Comic Con International. Like he's well, just. Well, what is the conflict there? What is the conflict in? Yeah, Comic Con's not putting comic shops out of business. Well, yeah. but but what but what if instead of I mean Amazon you, you can, is putting comic shops out of business. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I, I was just thinking. I was just thinking to get you to get you. Uh, I, I, and, how and do you? The rock, the rock is like I've spent my entire life wanting to fall in love with an Amazon, and this is not it. <laughs> uh, how do you get? How do you get Kevin Kevin Hart to do the gay part? Is this like his penance movie? Like he's just trying to show that oh, he's that he's oh, okay. I forgot about that. I was just leaning into their natural chemistry. Yeah, and, and, and can, we, can we keep the name? You've got mail, but change the spelling. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you've got mail you've got mail too you've got mail i think i just accidentally wrote some real people fiction i felt real weird about that <laughs> okay yeah that's, I, I think we i think this one yeah that right, one wasn't one, designed to take a long time because too much of it, it was already it, right it wrote itself yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so new one this should have a little more variety for you suspense film Directed by Greta Gerwig. I love her. Set, set in an Arctic <laughs> research station. But here's the wild card. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> what, what does Greta do with Nicolas Cage? So it's a remake of The Thing. No, no. This is clearly one of his serious films. Like that movie Josh keeps trying to make me watch. Port of Call. Ad Lieutenant Port of Call, New Orleans. Yeah. I've not seen that. It's it's Nick Cage at his most manic. He's a cocaine addicted New Orleans detective. <laughs> he's, he's he's using like drugs as a painkiller because he was injured in Katrina. 
and he's yes. he's solving crimes in New Orleans. Yeah, oh, so he's in New Orleans. So so he does voice work. I assume. I assume there's an accent. It might uh, not match. I can't the- remember. It's I own it, but Hannah's never let me watch it. I don't no. say let she's me never, watch. She's it. never wanted to watch it with me, and I haven't <laughs> had the heart to watch it without her because I want to introduce her to this movie. Okay, because I totally believe that it, I, I totally believe that he's in New Orleans, not doing a New Orleans accent. But if Nick Cage went to New Orleans, he's got some accent going on. <laughs> I mean, he lives he lives in New Orleans now. He's got a house, and he's he bought a uh, fun bit of Nick Cage trivia. His he bought a grave bought a grave in like New Orleans Cemetery number one or two, like a pyramid thing, Ooh. like Latin, <laughs> scary Latin on it. The whole the whole thing. Okay, so Nick Cage, Gerwig's the director. She can do anything. We'll leave her for last. And then we've got a uh, suspense thriller. It's the thing. Yeah, this one. Yeah, that's why I said it's a <laughs> You got to do something thing. else with it. Hmm. Well, how do you get suspense in the Arctic other than there's something out there? Right. We're, we're trapped in here. If we go outside, we'll freeze to death. But, but there's something killing us in here. And it's Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> what if it is just the thing except for Nick Cage? The, the thing inhabits Nick, Nick Cage. And then you've got to deal with Greta Gerwig quirky direction. Yeah, it's, it's just Nick Cage coming in rooms and starting conversations and, and people can't get away. <laughs> So it's not that he's he's it's not that he's killing them. No, it's it's that just, he's driving he, them crazy by just coming in just like, and, and being having cage. conversations. <laughs> just walks in. He just walks in and it's like a peach is so magnificent. You know, like just like just and he can just do lines from other movies. Like he's so just the, like, he just breaks into face I off mean, I, and then he I moves mean, to I mean, like the, national the, treasure. The, the, everyone's had everyone's had like a coworker or somebody. There's like don't come in and have a conversation yeah, with me. Right, right. <laughs> and, and just yeah, play off the the whole trope of the thing, and they can't get away from him. Oh my god, what if he's not a character? What if he's just playing Nick Cage? Yeah. <laughs> Like that's the whole suspense. Like you know, you've got it. You've got the thing. You are trapped in the Arctic with Nick Cage. Like, is something mystical going on, or is it just Nick being Nick? He just showed up. Yeah, <laughs> he's there doing research for a movie where that's going to be set in an Arctic station. He's going to be playing Frankenstein on an alien planet <laughs> made out of ice. <laughs> and he needs the experience because he's method. Absolutely, because he's method. <laughs> Oh, I'm loving this. I, love it. And you have, you, oh, I don't know how much of a suspense thriller this actually is at this point. But uh, what is? Uh, oh, well, wow. Well, like you know, you. I feel like that's really in the editing, you know, and the music. Yeah. No, 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 no. Here, 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 here. Here's the question. Okay, so he is Nick Cage. Is not. I mean, he's not playing some other character. It's like a. It's like a being John Malkovich thing where he's playing himself, right? right? And then you know, and then he is. You know, it's a bunch of scientists in the Arctic, right? Quirky scientists, because again, Greta Gerwig. Okay. But now we're in this world where Nick Cage is there researching a role. He get he manages to go and be with the scientists. And then you have the suspense thriller where people start dying and you can't go outside because it's the Arctic, like a thing. People, people actually are dying. do start dying. People, people actually are so dying. People are dying. Now, here's the question. You're in the Arctic, you're in a science fiction world in the Arctic, and people are dying. And Nick Cage is there. Is Nick doing it, or is something else going on? That's the yeah. question, right? Yeah, because like, because you don't know. It could totally just be him killing, especially if he's researching the Frankenstein role, right? Right. right. He, could to- he, he could totally just be killing people, he, or maybe he's, not. He's the one X factor in the situation, so it seems that way. But there could and be something the, else. The suspense question. Yeah. Is it? Is it yeah. him? <laughs> like it can't be Nick Cage. Can't Nicholas Cage? And then and then everybody's just like, well. You know, I've seen Nick Cage movies. He ain't all there. You know, like you you question yourself. 
and he's a method actor and, and he's killing people in that other movie he's researching. Um, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cage is interesting. If you've ever seen Cage interviewed, he knows what he's doing. There's a self-awareness to him, right? Which make, which is what I think makes him interesting if you let him play himself, because he'll go out and be like, like he knows that he makes these really awful movies. And you ask, and when he's asked about it, he's like, well, you know, I needed the money because he, he lost a lot of money in some bad business deals. And then he's also like, at this point in my career, I just take parts that seem interesting to me. If I, re- if I read a script and it sounds like, oh, I could, I could, I could make an interesting choice. I'll just make any movie. And that's why Cage has like, you know, he's got like 200 movies. Because he's, he's, yeah, right. He's working. Right. Yeah. He's just like, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, and if you get Nick Cage in your movie, you know, it won't be boring. He's going <laughs> to, he's, he's going to give you something, you know? So I like this. I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing this film for real. (laughs) I I don't really know what we can add to that. Well, so what are the Greta Gerwig touches that you put in to make that happen? So, so Gerwig's only got three movies and one of them nobody's seen. I've not, I've not seen it. Um, She's, uh, but she's done, I mean, as a director, she's done a lot as an actress, right? But, um, but as a director, she did Nights and Weekends, which I've never seen. And then she did Lady Bird and, and, tw- and, um, the 2019 version of well, Little Women. Well, like, obviously, she has characters talk each- over each other to, like, make the dialogue more natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, heavy, like, skewed female casts, at least in, like, Lady Bird, Bird yeah. and Little Women in the focus, um, of the mm-hmm. film. Um, some some interesting angles. I think didn't you, Josh? You hated the editing of Little Women. Um, was it the editing? Yeah, the time jumps or like the. Yeah, I, I found it hard to follow. Like I've never read Little Women. I've I've seen the original, the ninety 90s version adaptation. So I'm, va- I'm vaguely familiar with the story, but I found it very hard to follow. Mm-hmm. Even even with some of the, I think they were doing some color color changes for the, the different timelines. Some were like warmer colors, some were bluer. Um, mm-hmm. I just found it hard to follow. been the projector in our theater. I just found it hard to follow. I I disagreed with him on this because I felt like as someone who's read Little Women like once every year for like twelve years, it like made the film new to me. I think that he brings up like in the the way that he watched it to critique it, he brings up some of like I think the things that marked the movie as like hers in terms of mm-hmm. editing and style. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, well, for me, it's all about for again with essentially a total filmography for me of two of two movies because I've not seen that first one, which was. Which also the first one was 2008 was a while ago, Um, but strong female cast and very quirky, you know, situation. Like you said, the dialogue is is really what she's all about. It's just the I wonder if that's the thing you you give her. You you let her do her quirky dialogue of just interesting, empowered female characters talking to each other. And then you don't give Right, yeah, and uh, yeah, and then you don't give Cage a script. You just let him be. <laughs> it's kind of, it's like an experimental film where you know she directs around him. You know, like you just tell Cage to explore the space naturally, <laughs> and then you and then you you play and that then, against against then, Lady Bird style dialogue. You know, and and then they can you know, rewrite the the scripted parts for the others around whatever he does for editing purposes. Right, right, and that and then that's where you let her really shine as a you know like i think this has to be a very experimental film right like you just kind of you just kind of let it go and because she's not done anything like that yet right like the like ladybird is a very tightly scripted um coming of age story and little women she made it her own but she had a novel to, to work from it's an it's an adaptation you know yes it's it's sounding like that one's wrapping up yeah i think so okay so next one up zombie is your genre Ursula K. Le Guin is the creative voice setting on a spaceship 
and it's some type of remake. Um, are we sure she hasn't done this already? <laughs> I'm not sure she hasn't. I mean, I, I don't know, like, Katya should be here. Um, I yeah, I've, like- read, I've read some of them, the boys has been like, I, I know her stuff, it's usually pretty heavy on, like, cultural content and, like, context. Like, she has short stories about, like, what if ants actually did have written communication and things like that. From the synopsis, it sounds a bit like this Star Wars novel called Death Troopers, where the uh, this is an official licensed Star Wars novel, but it was basically a, a zombie novel set on a like a prison barge where some stormtroopers have to go like figure out what's going on. It's from, like ten years ago. It was like a New Hope prequel came out ten years ago. Anyway, I don't know what we can do with this. I don't know her. But I mean, she's got she's written so much that I've not read that if you said if you said she's done a zombie book, I'd be like, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's it, like, it'd probably. almost be weirder if she hasn't. You know, <laughs> that's her man, and I can't find it anywhere. If you were doing a zombie set zombie story set on a spaceship, but it needed to be a remake of something, what would you be trying to remake? Alien. Alien. What do you mean, alien? Not Pride. Pride and Prejudice has already gotten it. Yeah, it's not Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> see, and which which I see, Alien is weird because Alien. Well, the Alien, the first one, not so much, but but there's so much there's so much zombie aspect to the Alien movies anyway. I mean, they're not people, but they it, neither are zombies. I, I, I'm going to suggest the Poseidon Adventure, where you, you can't turn upside there down in space, but they're trying to escape the ship. But rather than all the dead bodies, the dead bodies are now zombies. They're coming back. So they're, they're trying to find their way out of this ship that has broken down in the middle of space. Um, the gravity things are off. That's why everything's upside down. That's not uh, bad. How, how that fits with Ursula K. Le Guin, I couldn't tell you. Uh, but yeah, so we, we have this group of people who are trying to, to get to the morning after. So I'm just I'm, I'm trying to explore the idea as well. So if you've got like zombies in space, mm-hmm. it means like a ship that gets infected is done for. Right. You, you have to call that entirely lost cause. You don't try to rescue yeah, anybody. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Like you're just trying. You're just trying to get um, or. But what if there is like a job where you have to take care of any ship that has been infected? But it's a dangerous job because that means you have to get into proximity. Oh, oh, I mean, like she apparently I did not know this until I Googled. Apparently she took a lot of like uh, thought from like Peter Kropotkin, who was a 19th century writer, early 20th century, who came up with the book Mutual Aid, A Factor of Evolution. And so he thought about how um, there is like mutually beneficial cooperations within the animal kingdom. So like, you know, um, Darwin's example of the orchid and the wasp, like, you know, and fertilization and like their like co-adaption toward each other. So maybe humans and zombies are going to adapt toward each other and there's like a cooperation amongst somebody somewhere. I don't know. Like like you can use zombies because they don't die in space. You can use them as weapons to attack or oh, no, to investigate. No, 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 no. like to investigate ships or like what? No, like you, you learn to work together in harmony just because they're different doesn't mean they're bad. I mean, it'd be more complicated than that. But oh, so this is a post I am legend world where where we or post um, uh, Shaun of the Dead where we realize there's a or there's there can't be humanity there. What's the um the the Romeo and Juliet remake? Uh, Warm uh, bodies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they're they're like we've 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 reached you know sort of symbiosis with the zombie at this point. We we are working in harmony. 
Exactly. Cooperation and mutual aid. Don't laugh at me. No, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just, this is basically part of your dissertation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my dissertation on Ursula K. Le Guin. <laughs> I, I think this. Yeah, I'm trying. What is the definitive? What is the definitive mark of a Le Guin character? I don't know that there is yeah, one. I'm looking. I mean, the first thing that came to mind. I'm looking these up as the the Earth Sea stuff. The Earth Sea is, is like her. Yeah, yeah that's her yeah, fantasy that, epic. But that's that, that's like and, and those are the early ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's always like. I mean, there's not even necessarily characters in her stories. They're not all character driven. It's a lot of you know, just sort of like speculation and what ifing and here's this world where this is the way it is mm -hmm. and making you think about it. I'm going to be honest and say I haven't read a, I've read a novel that, in I, 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 seven yeah. years. It's, it's at least. Well, but it's, I've read a couple, but I think that that's maybe, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's just, maybe the issue isn't so much like what the story is. I mean, like Hannah's thing about, can we imagine a world where we have, where we cooperate with the zombies? I think that might be the hook that makes What if her. it's, what if it's a, sh a series of short films with that as like the overall premise is like, Here's seven short films about how in the future and, and spaceships, zombie human relations could well, and they, work. The RC setting is a, a, an archipelago of small islands that they travel back and forth amongst. So this could be a solar system of small planets mm -hmm. or that they, they, they travel amongst. Are there zombies on every planet? Maybe it's a different kind of zombie on every planet because they've adapted differently. Hmm. Okay, I was, uh, you know, I, well, I, I was, I was thinking, you know, can we, can we explore, can we explore the, um, the otherism of the zombie in that, you know, it, it's not necessarily Earth, but you know, Planet Prime is um, the planet where zombies and man have learned to live together in harmony, right? And yet, you know, sometimes when you have to go to like Planet Gamma, those people are still real racist. You know, they, they, you know, zombies, you're bringing the zombies along, you know, and that's where you get drama from, right? Yeah, you know, I thought the smartest thing that Prime Prejudice and Zombies did the movie, not the book, because I can't comment. Uh, it, it, you know, portrayed the zombies as actually like being sort of heroes, and Darcy is actually sort of like the racist dickbag who wants to destroy their culture. And the guy who plays Darcy is extremely terrible um, at playing like a romantic charismatic lead uh so he like is basically the villain by i think accident but you know i think like the the plane with like how like all the like racial implications and like how like zombies have been used in uh particularly like american film is is something that like definitely could play into like what you're saying Mav. Mm -hmm. also i really hate prime prejudice and zombies darcy so much which is so <laughs> <embarrassing>. <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know yeah i think if we say that Le Guin's key thing is speculation, it's the she's a she's a very philosophical writer, so mm -hmm. that might be you know the moral implications and yeah. The, so it could be like seven different spaceships with seven different ways of relationships forming, or types of relationships, or tolerance levels. Oh, uh, actually, how, how, okay. How so we, the Earth. Well, I was wondering the Earth planet. You know, and again, I don't seven. So the planet that's like innermost in the solar system, where 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 our home base is. We're we're real tolerant now, right? We you know zombies and man work together, right? And then you go out a couple of planets, you know, you 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 go out to you know Jupiter territory, right? And then those people they're not super accepting of the zombies, 
they know, you know, they know that they're working together and there's a lot of prejudice and races. And then you go out farther. Um, you're at Uranus level, right? You're at the very outer edges. They straight up hunt zombies. Like you can't, zombies can't go there yet. It's not, you know, because they just fear for their lives. And mm-hmm. then, you, and then you've got, and then you can do, you know, then you can sort of build, I'm like, I'm trying real hard to like sort of build in, you know, Someone like racial allegories yeah, yeah because like because that's what makes speculative science fiction interesting i mean it's not my favorite genre but when when it's you know when it's really trying to you know to theorize different parts of the of what's going on in reality so how, how do we live in harmony with mindless creatures who want to eat us mm-hmm. or are they really mindless right like that's just i like, mean that, i don't know the- that's the question of the colson whitehead novel zone one which is set on earth with zombies but that's a different topic for another day <laughs> all right next feel like one. you got that one do one more and then we should like, right. vote on which one we like best all right so this is a a whodunit yeah the creative voice of charles dickens yes uh, <laughs> uh set in ancient rome oh <laughs> <laughs> And and it's also an animated feature. Oh, oh well, interesting. All right. All right. Uh, so you so, have to basically pretend that there already exists a Charles Dickens Who Done It, and then you're doing is. an animated version of that in ancient Rome. There, there, is that, there are, is that what you want to do? There are two Charles Dickens Who Done It's, um, sort of. Well, I mean, I guess like there are a couple of his um, books that have mysteries. Um, like Bleak House is considered like early detective fiction by some people because Inspector Bucket has his like little subplot, little door. There's a mystery about the identity. Great Expectations is totally a mystery, but it's not really a whodunit. No, uh, but the the true mystery like novel of Charles Dickens is called The Mystery of Edwin Drood. And it truly is a mystery oh. because he died in the middle of writing it. Uh, so no one knows who actually like did it except there's some rumors maybe and there's actually a musical that like you the like part of it is the audience votes on who they think done it and so based on what the audience says is um like how they like do like part of the story i yeah i would have seen that this spring at uh, the local high school i go to every year to see their spring musical except covid Mm-hmm. That, that that was the one that they were in the process of, of putting together. That is so sad. Yeah. I feel so bad for those kids. Yeah, yeah. They they were well into it before things happened. So I mean like tickets were on sale. They were that close. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so like the mystery of Edwin Drood is like just a straight up like kind of who done it. Um I guess that this is like the most um influence Dickens was ever by his great friend Wilkie, Wilkie Collins, who is credited with writing um like the first like who done it detective novel, The Moonstone. And it begins in an opium den. As all stories do. Yeah. Um, and so, like, Edwin Drood is the titular character. And when he, like, comes of age, he plans to marry someone named Rosa Bud. I specifically said her name because it makes me laugh. And then, like, go to <laughs> Egypt and work as an engineer. Um, <laughs> which I, I mentioned because I think that could be interesting with the ancient Rome thing, maybe. Also, my favorite Dickens character name of all time appears in this novel, and it's Mr. Honey Thunder, and he's a <laughs> and he's a philanthropist, but he's like one of those philanthropists. Like Dickens was like a reformist, um, 
And there's a lot of great social commentary in his novels, which I think is important to mention if we're doing a Dickens thing, because that's like his great hallmark, um, besides his humor, unless you're reading A Tale of Two Cities, in which he's not very funny. But Mr. Honey Thunder, like other philanthropists in Dickens lore, he's like critiqued and he's like such a dick. Anyway, it's funny. I love it. Um, I'll stop talking now. No, well, you, I mean, you clearly know you clearly know the story better than anybody else, which is yeah. perfect. I, I yeah. mean, like who who amongst our listeners has read the mystery of Edwin Drood? Who amongst our host has? Because I've yeah, not. Or, right, I mean, right, like, yeah. like listeners slash host, like no one's read this novel yeah, because it's I've, like not done. I am familiar with the title. That's am I. And if I'd seen that play, I'd have known more about it. Well. So, okay, so you know, again, I'm pulling the synopsis just so I have a character list, but move it to ancient Rome. Do we want to do gods and goddesses? Like, but you know, we, we just did like Midsummer Night's, Night's Dream. Yeah. Or do we want to do, or, or do we want to do this like just like classic, you know, like straight up historical story, Rome? Historical uh, Rome, maybe add animation. some sword and sandals. Yeah. It, it, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe add some sword and sandals aspects. So there yeah. might be fights and stuff, but I right. just, I want there to be a character. It's called Senator Honey Thunder instead yeah. of yeah. Instead of, say, yeah. Who, who who killed Senator Honey Thunder? Yeah. Well, well, like, <laughs> but, like the thing is, like, the thing is, like Edwin Drew disappears. So like, what if he like? And Josh will tell me that my history is wrong in a second. But what if he's like designing the aqueducts and like <laughs> Mister <laughs> disappears? Are you just laughing at me? Yeah, it's funny. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Have either of you heard of of the the novel Rome Sweet Rome? No. No. Okay. Yeah. This was this. It started out as I think a Reddit post, like an alternate history thing, where like a, a U.S. Marine strike expeditionary unit is is transported back to Julius Caesar's Rome, and and it's like how would like a Marine unit deal with it? They have they have like a priest in the unit that speaks Latin that he's like translating, and the, the Romans are just like freaking out about it. It's they, he, he adapted it into like a full novel, and then somebody bought the movie rights to it, and it's been languishing ever since. Um, one day, I hope this will get made. But, so, so you're saying we should ditch Edwin Drood and just... Yeah, you, can, you, can, you can slap a mystery on it and get a movie out of it somehow. Mm, I, don't, I don't know it. You just want me to stop talking about Charles Dickens. I know what well, you're but, doing. But yeah. Dickens is required, though, is the problem. Yeah. I, that is not a problem. You could have... <laughs> there's all sorts of quirky characters you could have in that setup. Uh, there's nothing wrong with Honey Thunder and Rosa Bud. I'm just skimming the Wikipedia page on this because I haven't read it, but like, there's twins in this. Yeah. Neville and Helena oh, Lambert. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- there's like all kinds of like aspects of this that I just think make for great because because twins and I'm sorry for any twin listeners, but like in film, twins are innately creepy. Romulus and Remus. Rome well, is named after uh, twins. Well, the they're shining, male and female twins. Very yeah. boring. Yeah. I, I'm so. saying Rome is named after twins. So. Yeah. And there's the yeah, twin orphans. Um, a lot of orphans in this because yeah, it's a, a di- it's I mean, a Dickens thing. I was gonna say it's a Dickens novel. <laughs> but but and you know you talk about also Billy don't Octopus. forget about Princess Puffer. I didn't. Yeah, I see a lot of I see a lot of stonemasons and stuff. So the aqueduct aqueduct worker is fine. Are there any fights? Can I do like a, a big sword battle or or a chariot race? Because if yeah. you know, I need yeah, for, like, for an animated film, we have to right. Yeah, like he he gets mad because Rosa has caught the eye of somebody whose name I forget. Um, oh yeah, it's, it's Neville. Neville, one of the creepy twins, is like, Rosa, I think you're pretty. And Edwin Drood is like, ooh. And so like they could have a fight before Drood disappears, and then Neville would automatically be a mystery suspect because, like, why would you not fight over a woman? That's, like, the, like, solution to every Miss Marple novel. She's always like, and I think I just did this, like, 
an episode ago or two. She's always like, guys, you should like look at the domestic disputes. And the police are like, no, it's not that simple. And then it's like almost always that simple. Someone's always gotten married or had an affair. Was it a twist? Shush. It's complicated. These, these names are amazing. There's a Miss Twinkleton. Yeah, I know. Mrs. And, and, and Dickens. Miss, Mrs. Chris Merkel. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, like, and like Neville and Helena Landless are the orphan twins you're talking about. And just like the fact that their name is Landless and they're orphans, like, like Dickens likes to play with stuff and like it's not as like amazing as Honey Thunder, but what is? Mrs. Billick, Billikin? Yes. A little know, how, 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 how do we romanize those names? Yeah, yeah so, I don't know. Why, I, I, why bother romanizing <laughs> these names? Let's just study it in ancient Rome. You know, like the um, like Royal Shakespeare Company always like is redoing Shakespeare plays in different settings and they just keep everything and they're like, but look, it's in Rome now. Oh, but, I, but are we doing a remake of Edwin Drood or are we coming up with the original mystery? Be, I guess. Well, well, we, we have to come up with the other half of the original mystery because I don't think the animated film company sponsoring this would be happy with us just ending it halfway through the story. <laughs> oh, no, that's, yeah. I, that, that, I that, it, that's where the chariot case chase comes well, in. Well, there's, there's been film adaptations of Edwin Drood before. Oh, yeah. So I think, and, I think we can musicals. finish it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah think, exactly. It's just we have to, yeah, we have to finish it. We have to decide who mm-hmm. has done a bad thing. Is this his uncle hanging out in the opium den? Mm-hmm. Is it is it Princess Puffer? Is it Honey Thunder, the angry philanthropist? Is it the man after his fiance? Is it his fiance looking for a way out, but too like timid to tell him no, but somehow strong enough to kill him? I don't know. Is he actually dead, or is he just disappeared? Is he floating in the aqueduct dead? I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued. Um, the last question I have, though, is you know we're talking about animated, but we're just building off. But you just you sort of blew past the important thing. You said whatever whatever animation company is sponsoring us. I think that matters a lot. That, that are we, does are have we a, a Disney flick? Are we are we Pixar? Are we DreamWorks? I, I, or are we, I'm thinking I'm thinking Pixar. I mean, if we want to make anything off of this, it needs to be Pixar. Or do we DreamWorks? Want- DreamWorks is doing some good work with yeah, Train Your yeah. Dragon one through three. Right. Do we want to make a lot of money, or do we want the creative freedom to be able to do something really prestige? Right. Like so. So like you, you know you can you can go the Disney route and you can and you can but like if you if you go the Disney route. Well, you got a lot of orphans. Killing parents, yeah. yeah, Killing parents. You know, you got that. You got that aspect down, which is part of the Disney world, right? There's there's just Disney factors, right? But then you also have to, uh, you know, you can't, you, you you can't have the classic ending of Hamlet or Little Mermaid where you know everyone dies. Disney's got to have a feel good kind of ending, you know, right. sort of talking yeah. to it. So like, so like I want, and it, so. But Dickens it, always has a feel good ending. Emily Edwin Drood might not get to die graphic death with blood floating everywhere right. in the aqueduct, but. But what I'm thinking is like, you know, it's the difference between doing like a Roger Rabbit and doing, which by the way, Disney also cleaned up the, the ending of the original book and doing a cool world, right? Where you, where you're not going to make any money making cool world, but if you go to Don Bluth, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Right. You know, you can, you can be, you can be weird. And I I mean, I mean, if you you want to get really weird, Ralph Bakshi. Bakshi. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can do the weirdest stuff. Yeah. You can do, you know, you can do stuff like that. And, and then maybe you do something like, um, you do something like crazy, like spider verse. And then it just turns out being something that people love. Right. Guys, I can't watch that movie without crying. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know what what kind of animation studio are we looking at? Are we, are we, we, I mean, I I was very, you know, I was very American centric there. You know, you can go. What if we went like Studio Ghibli? Yeah. Oh oh, yeah. 
Yeah, but but yeah. I mean, could you do like Whoa. I think I think the Ghibli style? I think that'd for, like, be gorgeous. That yeah. would be beautiful. Yeah, yeah, but but we'd have to like change the themes to fit their style in some way. Because mm-hmm. Dickens is all about like fast, popular humor, uh, mm-hmm. and like I mean, I I mean, there's like political critique in House Moving Castle, like a lot of political critique. Um, but you know, I I think that like. So I, I think that actually some of like Dickens's like humor um, and critique would translate over there. But I think that like I could describe their style as kind of like soft. Um, mm-hmm. And Dickens is not soft whatsoever. Um, right, right, right. You know, he's he's been critiqued uh, by like everyone about being rather mm-hmm. brash and popular. And um, also, I don't know if they would go for the opium den opening. I don't know if any of these students would go for the opium <laughs> opening, which I think adds Bakshi a little would, something. Well, some, yeah, say some Bakshi like will let you, or Bakshi yeah, would, let you, Bakshi will totally let you do an, an opium den. <laughs> he, he would want to know, it's like, well, could we make it more than an opium den? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, Bakshi's, you know, Cool World, like, cool, there's so much to say about Cool World. That's a different episode. I was, I was about to go off on a, like, on a back, on a Ralph Bakshi tangent. I'm like, no, no, that's, that's an hour conversation. This so a different episode, different episode. <laughs> different episode. Yeah. I, and, uh, and actually, you know, Josh introduced me to the one animated episode of Charles Dickens I know. What's that? Uh, Josh, do you remember? Not Oliver and Company. No, so, no, South Park. The oh, like, adaptation yeah. of That's right. <laughs> yes, I guess that Oliver and Company is indeed a adaptation of Oliver Twist, though very, very Gosh, loosely. Okay. Don't sing. We might get dinged by Disney copyright. Billy <laughs> <laughs> Joel can go. Uh, so what were our final stories? Because we should pick which one we, which, which, if we had to go, go picture on one of these, what, what were they again? What were right. they? So, so you had um, the most recent one, Charles Dickens and Who Done It. Okay. You had Ursula K. Le Guin mm-hmm. with, um, with zombies and spaceships. Okay. You had, uh, uh, you've got mail with the rock. Hmm. <laughs> that was short, but it, there was a lot there. <laughs> um, the the Greta Gerwig Nicholas Cage research station. The high school Shonda Rhimes high fantasy. Mm-hmm. You had uh, James Cameron sci fi Frankenstein. Uh, I think that's all the ones that we actually. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's, that's that we actually I, did because we okay, we bypassed I, the one that was just right. a Hallmark the, Christmas the, movie. Yeah, the, the one the, the one that was Pride and Prejudice, but let's the, let's the one that's already Christmas. been the yes. one that's yeah. already been made. I'm yes. sure already made. <laughs> sure. I I'm I'm leaning toward the space Frankenstein and the Nicolas Cage thing because they just sound like a lot of fun. But I think I think the the rock movie is the one I most want to see. <laughs> <laughs> Am I alone in wanting my Charles Dickens who done it? No, no, I like that. I see. So the entire time, so up until we did this last one, I was exactly where Wayne was. I was like, I kind of well between the the space Frankenstein and the Nick Cage like weird you know avant garde film with Greta Gerwig, I was leaning towards the Nick Cage one because I felt like you know you could reference the the Frankenstein one. We did it jokingly, but I, I was leaning towards there. But then I was just thinking. But if I'm going for, you know, where can I get studio financing? Go picture happens with The Rock because you just mentioned The Rock's name, right? Like you're just like, yeah, what I want to do is I want to remake. We, you've got mail, but it's going to be a homosexual love story starring The Rock. 
and just give me the money. Give me the money now. Like that's uh, <laughs> take my money as a viewer. Give me money to make this film. And I think I do it. But this this Drew thing, I, I, I just I think there's a lot to explore there. Princess Puffer, Honey Thunder. It's like you can sell the merch like off the presses. Josh, what do you think? Yeah. Are you are you agreeing that the Dickens one is actually the one you'd want to see, or do you <laughs> want to deviate? Uh... You know, you can pick your own, buddy. It's fine. <laughs> you know, I'm watching it from home because in the age of streaming, so yeah, it doesn't really matter. Like, I'll watch any of them. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's you, you, you just said that. And I'm like, oh wow, it's 2020. We could probably get funding to make any movie right now because they're just like need content. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you film it from your home? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They did it with an episode of Parks and Rec, so I mean, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we should we should have just done a socially distant Zoom call kind of theme. Oh, maybe maybe <laughs> the maybe the You've Got Mail uh, sequel could just be told wholly over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think we resolved nothing. No. <laughs> we can't even pick our favorite. We can't even pick which one. <laughs> That's on par for this show. <laughs> Andrew, thanks. This is fun. I love this game. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot I'm, of fun. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Like I said, you could always change it up with different different factors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I mean... Uh, we'll have to play again just because I, I yeah it's just a, it's just a fun thing to do I like I like the silliness of it it's like oh what about this <laughs> oh, I'm I'm really I really didn't think that rock picture would be anything but just the more I think about it I'm like <laughs> I'm kind of in this I can't I'm not gonna lie <laughs> uh, Andrew where can people find you uh, for me you can seek out the protagonist podcast or also Disney Animation Minute Essentials uh, that's uh, a separate podcast that is coming back. You've been on hiatus for, for three years? You said? Yep. Uh, but we are getting back to it. Mm-hmm. Having children. It just, you, you <laughs> think you know how much time it takes have, to podcast. Have, have, and then you children, have children. Yeah. Having, having children gets in the way of you enjoying Disney films. Yeah, that's what I was <laughs> <laughs> You had a couple of kids, and now when am I going to watch my cartoons? I don't understand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But yeah, both both of Andrew's podcasts will be linked in the show notes. Um, and Josh, Hannah, Hannah and I just look, get Hannah to find me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thanks I guess that's Josh. Oh, always. <laughs> and Palindrome Hannah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hannah Lee Rogers. If you go deep enough into my followers, you can find Josh's abandoned Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll post. I keep thinking about and that'll start my <laughs> empire. Yes. Uh, as good as anything else. Wayne. Uh, no place new since the last time we recorded three days ago. So, uh, <laughs> so if you want to link that stuff in the show notes, that's fine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, geez. I guess you can. You can follow me on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, all of the places, always at Chris Maverick. It's again, it's my birthday. You can wish me happy birthday. Um, oh, and- now I miss Jammy Jam. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> no, which, which means nothing. I, so just quick story for many years for literally I, I must have done it for 10 or 11 straight years. I had a massive party that just kept getting bigger and bigger on my birthday where as a joke, I just originally I did a pajama, a pajama party for my birthday. And then it just got bigger and bigger. And then suddenly there were live bands. And, and, and I haven't done one in many, many years. It, it was like, a lot of fun. 
but now, you know, we're locked inside all the time. So, so it would be great. You know, it's just, uh, just miss people, you know, the, the so, biggest <laughs> one ever do it all online. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I would I definitely, you know, always want to hear from you. So you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show at Vox Popcast on all of social media. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And you can now subscribe to us on YouTube. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. That's what I want for my birthday. Go out. It's my birthday. For me, please go write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can just click five stars and write a little something talking about how wonderful the show is. And then like and subscribe to us on YouTube so that we can get enough followers so that I can have an easily linkable. It's really sad because it's harder to get followers because I'm not allowed to have a custom URL until I have enough. So like us we'd appreciate that i'd like to thank maximilian of thoughtform music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out thanks again to andrew and josh for joining us thank you at home for listening and we'll see you next time bye bye plot thickens didn't even know you had a plot no kidding